Jacob Chastain. I can't believe you were rolling while I'm over here going, are you ready? Are you ready? I can edit that out. <laughs> yeah, I've got a question for you, though. My question is, we're, we've already been through June. We're, I mean, we're not quite through June, but we're pretty close to getting through June. And my question is, what are you doing right now to get ready for your classroom for next year? Oh, that's a big question, Ochoa. I mean, no. there's, a, there's a lot. This is like the... This is the the background, right? This is the this is like me because we've talked about this on the show before. Where I have I have like two modes. It's either I'm go 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 or not go. And right now I'm in the not go phase. I'm in pretty much summer mode, which is where I kind of sit around all day uh, doing a whole lot of nothing, and then I feel guilty, and then I do a whole lot of something. That's usually how I operate in these times, and so. Uh, for the class though, I've been thinking, I mean, when I left, I was like, you know what? I have been kicking butt in writing for the past like two, three years. Um, and I was like, you know what? I really want to, I want to flip back. I want to keep all of that and keep that going, but I want to, I want to really flip it back to a reading focus. So there's probably going to be as much as I've been talking about writing on teach me teacher and craft and draft and stuff. I think you're going to as people hear me kind of develop over this next year, I think what they're going to end up hearing is me talking about a lot of the reading or maybe even that reading uh, response a lot more, right? Because that's something that we're thinking about as a district. It's something that we're thinking about because of the new star test. It's something that uh, we're thinking about because we've seen a lot of success in it. We talked about that on a previous podcast where you were talking about the success you had and having kids really uh, dive in and, and write based on what they were reading and everything like that. So I think that's really what I've been doing is just kind of doing the heavy thinking of this stuff. I don't know if any listeners are like me in this regard, but I was just saying this off air, but the way I process is I consume information and I think about it for a long time. And so it looks like I don't do anything. In some instances, I'm not doing anything, Um, but I, I try to, I get it all in my head. And then at some point something clicks and then I start taking action on certain things. Um, And that's what I do with a lot of this stuff. I'm not really a heavy planner in terms of like lessons. Not at all, actually. I will plan no lesson until we get almost right before school. I just don't do that. I might find pieces that I find interesting or um, maybe I'll come across a video that I might stash away for later or something, but I don't lesson plan. I don't think about really classroom setup until I start get going. And the reason is because I'm, I, I love the spontaneousness of the new year starting and me just kind of jumping in and going, okay, this is what I feel like today. So this is where we're going to go. And then when I see my kids and learn who they are, I go, okay, so this is where we need to go with the types of pieces we're going to read. This is what they're talking about. Oh, this is the kind of music they're in. So I'm going to start moving this way in terms of themes and tone and stuff. So I, I'm so, I'm so responsive that the, the work that I do in the summer is mostly the big work of thinking about practice, reflecting on what I've done. Um, recovering in a lot of ways, uh, and and really just thinking about, you know, where, where are my weaknesses as an educator? And I wouldn't say reading is a weakness. I would say I have just focused on it less 
because I have found this, this amazing door into literacy through writing, um, that I've really honed. And I just think that, uh, it's time to flip it back the other way and see, see how well-rounded I could really become during this time. So that, that's the work that I'm doing to plan. Well, there you go. Well, here we are, Jacob, another day in Craft and Draft. Another day. Another day. What are we talking about today? Today, we're going to be talking about kind of pulling in outside resources. And I, I like this conversation because this is something that every teacher does, obviously. Every training you've ever been to on the face of this earth with teachers says, you know, don't reinvent the wheel. If someone's already done it, take it. <laughs> you know, like, right. I mean, that is, that's literally everyone's philosophy. It's good philosophy, um, but it's something that can be disruptive in a variety of ways. So I think this would be just a nice little reflective conversation for you and I to talk about because we do our fair share of taking things from outside sources. But we're also, I would say we're fairly critical of those things. And, you know, we might not always get it right, but I think we, we have some thoughts that might help some people as they kind of go through this. Maybe they've never even really thought about it. Um, because some people just kind of take what they see on the internet and roll with it. So that's what we're covering today, all about finding these outside resources. What does that mean? What does it do, uh, in the grand scope of things? But before we get to that, I want to tell you that this podcast is sponsored by our listeners, just like you can over there at Patreon. You can find that link at craftanddraftworkshop.com. And when you click that link, you'll see our Patreon. Sorry, I was trying not to say teach me teacher stuff because I've been in teach me teacher mode. That's so funny. Oh, okay. Um, that's like, so why I was okay. pausing. I was like, I was trying to, okay, I got to say these right words. Anyway, go to craftedjobworkshop.com where you can go to our Patreon. Just like our 10 patrons have done, uh, they are Alicia, Brandy, Leah, Mark, Amy, Sarah, Rebecca, Courtney, Carol, and Nalissa. They support us. We finally hit 10 patrons. This was our, our major goal. We were like, you know, if we hit 10, then it can justify a lot of the extra stuff that we're doing. We're already doing bonus episodes. We've already done bonus videos. Um, and now we're going to be doing regular training videos. We might do some long ones, some short ones. Um, we're going to kind of play with the format and see what you guys like the best. Uh, Pam and I have a long talk coming up soon where we're going to be diving into all of this, kind of planning this out for all of you. Um, but we already have some for sure trainings planned in this summer that we're going to do that patrons will either have a discount or a free pass if you are a listener plus listener on top of all of this bonus stuff. So we're going to make sure everyone who listens to this podcast, whether you are a Patreon supporter or just a free feed listener, Listener over there on your podcast app of choice that you get the PD that you need uh, to start August uh, in the best way possible. And shout out to the patrons who really do make that possible because as much as Pam and I would love to sit here and do this forever and put our time and energy into videos and planning all of this stuff, it is time consuming. So it it is it means the world to us that you guys support us in this mm -hmm. endeavor and that what we're doing is valuable to you, right? That is that's the ultimate thing. Pam and I are always sitting back going, man, this is so cool that we're kind of getting this little community around and uh, y'all are so passionate and love what you do just as much as we do. So it's really exciting to see the community build. And now we get to really turn on the gas and uh, see what kind of awesome PD we have going. And I got to tell you, 
You guys are gonna love Miss Ochoa. She's her her PDs. <laughs> I have sat in so many of her trainings. Uh, they're literally, I mean, they're they're some of the best. That's where I learned so much of what I know today. So we're gonna get to more of that. If you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast. You don't miss a thing. We drop an episode every single Friday at summertime. So sometimes it might be up like Friday afternoon, but it's gonna be dropping. Friday, every single Friday. Leave a review if you haven't already over there on your podcast app. Find us over there on Patreon. But let's go get to the conversation. All righty, Miss Ochoa. Finding uh, material. So I have two stories. They're interrelated, okay. but they're two stories I think might get us started. Because when you when we were talking about topic ideas and this one came up, I was like, oh, I have the perfect the the uh, I feel like the groundwork for probably where you and I. We, well, we might not both start from this groundwork, but we have come into contact with this groundwork because we work in the same district. So we definitely know where this is coming from. So um, when we were coaches, we went to a training. They call it uh, Leaders of Learners um, over here in our district. It's where they get you know principals and coaches and leadership teams together. And it, you kind of, you sit through like several presentations, some talks, sometimes there's activities or whatever, but there was one that I spe- specifically remember. It was a Christmas one. Um, and there is like a Christmas theme. And I mean, we did all kinds of stuff that one. We had like these jingles we sang or whatever, but there was one that happened where they had, they were talking about teachers pay teachers specifically. And in the jingle that they wrote, you know, it was like a Christmas theme, like fun that. thing. Yeah. You remember, right? They were like, and please yeah, don't know, use teacher pay teachers. <laughs> I remember that. And it was so, it was so funny because here's the thing, right? I have, I have, you know, I don't really use teachers pay teachers. If people who have followed me long enough, especially you have heard my many rants on teachers pay teachers, there are things on teachers pay teachers that rip off people like Donald and Miller's work. There's like book whisperer packets that you can buy, which totally disregards everything Donald and talks about. And there's, you know, like 180 days packets and all this other stuff. So there's problems there and there's copyright infringement, but there's also good stuff. There's things that people have really put in the work. There's a lot of smart educators on there. I've had Jen Jones on Teach Me Teacher, and she's a big uh, teachers pay teachers person, right? So, and I really, I think her literacy advice is some of the tops that you can find in on social media specifically. Um, so it's a love hate thing, right? But I just I remembered this moment because it is. I want to talk about why. The teachers tend to love teachers pay teachers and district officials or coaches or whatever tend to kind of push away from it. And so now I, I know my thoughts on this, but why do you think that is? Why do you think there's this there's this disparity between teachers going, yeah, of course I want to do this. Right. And there's almost like a shame too. it's like, oh, my God, I don't you know, I don't want to fully mention that I bought this like we had. a <laughs> There was another training where we had a, a teacher that we went and saw. Uh, as a model. And then she sat with us to like talk with about the lesson and stuff. And we asked her about this one thing and she goes, don't tell anyone I said this, but I got this off teachers pay teachers. Right. So it was like, even in this, like she was being highlighted and still was kind of like hiding the fact that one of the pieces of what she was teachers pay teachers. But why is this? Why is there, um, why is there discrepancy? Because teachers seem okay with all of this and seem to be able to, to dive into this really well. And then coaches, admin, curriculum people, they kind of, they're a little bit aggressive towards it. Why do you think that is? 
Well, our illustrious leader would say random variation. <laughs> that would I was be thinking her, that. her number one answer. Uh, I would just say that that is probably true. Um, I know that as a coach, I've had, um, well, I had this one person in math. It was not in, in English, but found a lesson and that apparently that teacher was actually from Oklahoma. And so that entire lesson was set to the Oklahoma standards which was for probability, but, you know, in Oklahoma, gambling and all that's legal, but not in Texas. So, so it, it kind of had that ring to it. And the teacher was really excited about it, but our district, there's no way we could support it. And so I think it was a great lesson, except it still needed to be changed in order to match uh, match what we wanted to do in our district. And as a coach, when you're working for a district like we were, you, you it's it's a little bit different because as a teacher, you're a little bit more removed. But when you're a coach, you're actually dealing with the people who are their whole entire responsibility is to make sure that the standards are and the district goals and objectives are met, you know, without variation. And so as a coach, you have, you have to, you're kind of a liaison between the two to make sure that the teachers are actually implementing and you're helping them do that, but, and yet also giving them validation. And at the same time with your administrators, you're trying to, you know, kind of help, you know, advocate for the teacher. And yet at the same time, you know, advocate for what's necessary in the district. And I think sometimes when we do teacher pay teachers, uh, they're written for another school at another place with other standards in mind. So it's not that the activities aren't good sometimes, it's that they don't match what the district requirements are. And so I think sometimes that's where one of the issues is. Why do teachers like it? Time, 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 time. It is so much easier to go down there print something off of teacher, pay teachers or any other uh, type of uh, program like that, and then go to your Xerox machine, copy your 60 or 150, whatever, uh, how many group of kids you need and how many copies you need, and then just disperse. And then now that you've got, they're working. They're working, you're working, and it's not always a bad situation. Uh, so I think that's part of it. And I think, but sometimes um, all the work is already done. And so to me, one of the problems is too, is that the student, all the work is already done. The questions are already asked. So there's not really any thinking or individualization for your own particular classroom. Uh, and so students may, you know, it might be a worksheet that they're handing out and it keeps the students from actually solving the problems. They're just coloring. So you got to kind of be careful. It might look good, right? But then maybe it's not. So it really needs to be vetted. Well, and I want to hit on that term, right? The the random variation that, and this is something that our district talks about and our our curriculum leader talks about. And I, this is something I actually agree with, right? And this is... Um, 
I, I really like this term, but I want to break it down for people who maybe have never come into contact with it or maybe use a different term. But the whole idea is that, you know, if your district has a curriculum um, and has something that they've kind of put together, anything you bring from the outside, something that hasn't been vetted by a team or something that hasn't been uh, carefully aligned with the vision of the district, you now have random variation, right? And now every class kind of already has random variation because we're humans, right? There's, there's already variation just in how something is presented, how something's told, the level of expertise each teacher has in a given topic or even in a given day, depending on, you know, like some days, yeah, some days things just don't really click very well. Um, so there's all of that. And so when you start adding in, right, if you, if you only bring in outside stuff, if you're only getting ideas from, you know, amazing Instagram teachers, and even though they are amazing, and I talk to many of them, if it's coming from outside of your curriculum, you are now introducing uh, factors that are really hard to measure for, right? Um, and that is the interesting part of this because um, for people like, I mean, I was I was going to say for people like us, but in general, I think it's just teachers. Teachers see if you're being responsive to your students, sometimes you will realize that there might be a gap in your curriculum, right? There might be a gap in the way something was put together, or there might be a resource that you don't have. And so what's, what's a teacher to do, right? Just sit back and go, well... I don't have it. So, <laughs> right. But that's what, right. that's what ends up happening. But I think there's a better way for that. And I think, and I wanted to pitch this to you as I was thinking through this on my own today was we know that's going to happen. We know teachers, especially teachers that listen to podcasts like this, that we're always looking to do better and to, tr- and to take care of our students as best we can. And so that means we're going to be reaching out for different things. We're going to be looking for resources that fit our students need. But the way to do that properly, I think, would to be intimately engaged with what your curriculum already is, to know not just, you know, we know our standards. We're not talking about that. We're talking about what the district has put together, right? Some districts pay for something. Some of them create it like we do. But you have something. And I think the way to, at least to start, is to know, you know, like for us, we have a literacy framework and we have an ELA framework and we have uh, our initiatives and we have everything else on top of our curriculum and resources and everything else. And to not know each of those pieces before you reach out to something, it makes that random variation worse, right? Because right. you're, you're now you're, it's almost like a shot in the dark. You're not operating within what the district is shooting for. Um, so I don't know, would you say that's the first step is to, when you're even thinking about reaching out is, is to really ask yourself, well, do you really need to reach out? Is there a reason, do you really not have this resource or do you either not understand that it's there or, uh, maybe you don't know how to access it? I don't know. What would you say as a coach who's probably cycled through this process with many Uh teachers? Yeah, I mean, I, I would think I would definitely start with my curriculum. I mean, what is it that we need to do? And what are the needs of my students? I mean, so you've got to actually be the teacher that marries the two. Because you you have one classroom is not the same. My classroom, even though we were at the same school, well, even just 
throughout the day. My morning class was nothing like my afternoon class. I mean, they they had different needs, and yet they were both on level. They were they were listed as the same, but they really weren't. So I think you have to start really with the needs of your students. Keep that in mind in one hand, and in the other hand, you got to keep in mind the needs of the district, and. And you start with the curriculum. You have to start with the curriculum. And it, like with us, ours is state-aligned, right? So we already know we're within state guidelines because when they wrote curriculum, they used the standards to do so. Another state may have a different type of standard, or, or even if it's a private school, they may have their own type of uh, standard that they have to do to meet the, the needs. So I would I would definitely start with both of those. And then from there, like you said, I like your idea or like what you said about is there really a need? Is there not a need? If there's not a need, then then you need to just do first of all what your districts ask you to do. But then after that, you have to think about the kids. What can I do to help bring that about uh, for the needs of my students? How can I vary for the needs? And sometimes going out and finding a resource is probably the best thing that you can do. And But it needs to be aligned or it needs to be tweaked in such a way that it matches um, seamlessly with what your, what your goals are. Yeah, I mean, I like the... You know, it seems kind of obvious to say, well, know your curriculum and stuff, but you know, there's there I feel like there's a culture in a lot of teaching circles um where it's 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 popular to kind of just grab stuff for whatever because it, you see it, right? I mean, especially if you're on social media and you see all these people doing really great lessons. You know, that lesson might be really great, but the reason why it's good to check with kind of your curriculum and and know all of that first is because it you want it to you're working within a system right and you're this is coming from someone who loves to buck systems <laughs> so you know this is this is about as honest as i can be with it you work within a system and that system serves a bunch of people and if you really want to change something right if you see that maybe there's a gap in the curriculum or uh, maybe the curriculum doesn't differentiate enough or doesn't have enough resources etc cetera, etc cetera, etc cetera, no one will ever listen to you if you do everything outside of the curriculum, right? If you constantly ignore uh, what's there, no, you're not going to have any foot to stand on because they can't. You can't say something doesn't work unless you use it, right? And that's it's almost like a double-edged sword in schools in some way because it's like, well, we have to do it to find out does it work. Is it possible that we misunderstand something? Is it possible, like, you know, and all of this, and then kind of diagnose it from there? We work within a school system, and so that that's kind of the piece. But I think that's something that, like, I didn't really understand until several years. Uh, I mean, really, until, like, the last few where I was like, you know, I definitely I need to do this stuff because otherwise people are – no one will listen to me when I have valid complaints about something, but also I need to work within the system because, uh, it, it's the only way to make systematic change in a way, you know what I mean? Because you're mm -hmm. not, you're not, no one's going to no like single teacher is going to implode something and then create something new and change, you know, the curriculum for everyone there. It's this, it's this kind of process, but I will say, I think, and I think we touched on this last podcast, Miss Ochoa, but you were very wise and said, you know, something along the lines of make sure to reach out to, you know, your, 
Oh, we were talking about working alone, right? And being right. kind of on your own. Advocate. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, an advocate. I think this is one of those cases where if you see something that you want to use, especially if you're maybe a younger teacher or something, like even people listen to this podcast, if they're like, you know what, hey, I want to try the craft and draft journals, but they're not sure if it fits with their curriculum, take the process and go to your coach, your principal, whoever that is your your most immediate person you work with and go, hey, does this fit with our curriculum? How can I make it fit within the curriculum and build that that bridge rather than being the outlier, figure out how to take that awesome thing you want to implement and put it there. I mean, how many problems do you think would be solved if we just approached it with that in mind? Oh, well, quite a bit. And uh, a thought that came up, I think one of the things when I realized that this was, you know, so just going completely out there uh, was I had a a friend who was a a trainer with me, uh, but she was at the elementary level and she was just like, I, and she became a coach and she's now retired. But one of the comments that she made to me was, you got to give the curriculum a chance to fail. <laughs> you know, I mean, if you don't use it, let's say, let's say you fail no matter what, right? Let's just say no matter what you do, all the scores are abysmal and nothing worked, right? If you did not use your curriculum and the resources that the district asked you to do first, then you're the one who failed. But if you do what the district has asked you to do, you've used their resources exactly the way, and you you know document that. I always tell everybody to document. Then it's this it's the system, it's the curriculum that failed. And now, if you've kept up with your data, which I know you will, then you have like you said a leg to stand on, and you take that information to your immediate supervisor and you and or to your team. And do y'all see the same thing? I do see the same thing. Did you do what we? Yeah, we all did the same thing. All right. Now you've got something to take to somebody, and that's where change actually happens. Now, if you have permission to bring in outside information, and that's what our particular curriculum is set up in such a way where it says uh, mandatory things, non-negotiables, and then it has negotiables, and then it lets you know that you can bring in. So that's nice. I like having that because it makes it easier, and I don't have to feel restricted so much and and that and I've had it both ways I've had it our districts kind of fluctuate sometimes it's really really tight and other times it's extra loose I will tell you that when it was extra loose and it used to be uh then I I mean our our one per it was more competitive that way uh we were not working in a team and nobody was sharing I can tell you that because one person found that success button for a little while but they're not going to share because it was about them being more successful. And, and I have lived through that and it's not fun. I like it better when you can work as a team and you pull together. It's really more fun uh, that way. I don't know where I went off there, but that's kind of a tangent. <laughs> well, <laughs> but, I mean, I, it's funny because it's, there's a lot of human nature in this stuff. And I think that's what, I mean, when you're thinking about, I don't know. I, teachers can be very individualistic, you know, because we see our classroom, our students, our lessons. And I'm definitely that is <laughs> I do that all the time. It's kind of I that's where I default to. Um, but I will I will hands down say that once I opened up and this helped with having a, a great team and leaders and everything else like that. But once we really built a, a great team where 
And it wasn't just I, 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 and there was a lot of us and we in this teamwork. It really did. I mean, it changed how lesson plans happen. It changed how much kids moved. It, if a kid moved from your class to my class or my class to your class, like they understood that, oh, we, we do craft and draft still. And even though there might be small tweaks, it was they had a foundation to go on. And that's what curriculum is, right? If you have, I mean, think of a school district. If you have kids moving from one school to the next, theoretically, yeah, there will be some differences and there might be some pacing that might mean that might not be directly on point, but they should, you know, relatively be within the same ballpark as the other school based on curriculum. Right. And that's kind of where our district are. We, I feel like we try to ride that line of, we don't want to control how teachers teach necessarily, but we want them to be within the scope and sequence. We want them to be within this, this kind of framework. Um, And kind of move from there. And that way, if you get a kid from one of our other middle schools, then they kind of know where they're at. Uh, And I would say there's a lot of places that are successful. That's really hard. That's an incredibly challenging thing to do. But if you're constantly pulling in things from the outside or doing things that aren't even mentioned in the curriculum, like you're just going willy nilly. Like, I mean, I've had coaching cycles with people who weren't even looking at standards. You know what I mean? And there's, and that, that's way, that's so far out of this. Um, and that's the stuff that we kind of have to think about because we want these systems to be successful because as much as we want our classes to succeed and our students, they're not going to be with us forever. If we don't help a system improve, we're really not helping them in the long run. And I think that's important to think about. But what I wanted to kind of pivot to real quick is, you know, I I don't know if you I've, – I've never bought anything off Teachers Pay Teachers. I've used stuff from there because of coworkers who've used them and shared resources. I don't know if you have, but if there – is there anything that – like what are your go-to – resources that you feel like align pretty well. I imagine some of the teachers listening to this will probably connect to a lot of what we're about to talk about, but maybe not. Maybe we'll give them a new resource. I kind of want to break some of this down and stuff that we trust that we implement sometimes. Well, I mean, first of all, I, I wanted to kind of mention, we, we mentioned the first two things right, is right. make sure you have the needs of our students and the, and the needs of your district. Right. And then after that, I think you need to look at your workshop. How is your, what is your workshop? What are, you know, we use craft and draft. So, uh, you know, I like a lot of Linda Reef's work because she uses a a craft and draft type model. So sometimes I use some of her work. Um, You know, Nancy Atwell used uh, notebooks. So I, I like to use people, you know, have work with books and people that do that. Uh, as far as strategies go, I like, and I think you've spoken to her, I think in your other podcasts, and that's Jennifer Saravello. I mean, she's got some good strategies. If you want individualized strategies, things like that. But what what I, what I pretty much, and, and I'm a little bit different than some people, and that is because I've done so much training that I can't always tell you where it all comes from, you know? And so, but, um, I, I pick up a lot of stuff from conferences. I go to as many conferences as I can or workshops that I can. Uh, sometimes I'll do a virtual one if I, if I, I've done several virtual ones since COVID has hit. Uh, then I've also used our, we have a regional, region 11. And, uh, and so our regional uh, resources, I, sometimes I, I will go and pull those, not so much, but 
uh, used to. They used to be really good, but I haven't used that in a while. Let me see where else. Uh, I also do a lot of internet searches, and I just kind of look. But what I'm when I'm looking, I'm looking at those three things: district, students, and how does it fit within my workshop? Is it going to follow my principles. And of course, my principles are similar to Nancy Atwell's, and that is time, ownership, and response. Is it going to allow me uh, it, to offer students time to read and write? Is it going to offer me, uh, offer my students um, individualized skills that they may need to improve upon? And uh, things like that. I've seen in vocabulary. Marsano does a lot of work with vocabulary. Uh, so those are some older ones that I've that I've kind of used. Um, of course, Laura Rob. We always have to bring up Laura Rob, and I use all of her stuff. Yeah, I mean, I one hundred percent anything like that. Uh, another book I think we mentioned it before, but uh, Martin Brandt, his book Be- Between the Commas is so good. It's geared towards upper school, so. Um, elementary teachers, I still think you get a lot from it. You just gotta have to be good at paring down stuff. Um, but it's so good for secondary. It's one of the best. Um, he has so many cool ideas of, uh, like ways to do stuff like the idea. I do this a lot. Uh, I do it through poetry, but I also do it through paragraphs, which is you take a, like a, like a, section of text and then you practice. I mean, you do this too. I forget. You can probably tell me the name of the person that, uh, there's a whole book on it, but it's basically where you practice, uh, combining sentences, right? You take, uh, sentences that are loosely connected and you combine them using various, uh, grammatical tools. I do it through poetry. This is actually how I teach sentences. When I, when kids are struggling with, uh, sentence structure, I try to get them to think of pockets of information. And so I teach them line breaks and poetry, and then we start putting it back together. But Martin Brandt does that and paragraphs. So he'll take, um, like a really big, he has this one paragraph about Mount Everest. Um, if someone's interested in seeing what I'm talking about, just DM me. Um, I'll send it to you cause I have it in my Google drive somewhere. Uh, but I'd be more than happy to share it. It's a great paragraph. It's a big one though. So it's like, I would caution anyone that's not in secondary, but, um, the whole idea is that it is complex, right? Like the whole, like the last sentence is like three lines, you know what I mean? Like it's a big paragraph, but the idea is that you take it chunk by chunk and you have students kind of model with each line. And then, so by, rather than saying, Hey, write something similar to this, you say, look at the pattern, look at what's happening here, right? Jeff Anderson, and you say, and you have them write it, and then they kind of put it all down, and then uh, you have these different sentences, and then you combine them into this wonderful paragraph, and it works so well. And kids end with like these this this structure. It's a whole lesson because you can talk about language, you can talk about flow, you can talk about grammar, you can talk about vocabulary, you can talk about perspective. I mean, you, there's so many things in this one little paragraph. And you can take it wherever you want. I don't hit on all of that during any one of these lessons, but the strategy is what's the important part there, right? Um, But I want to point out what we have just done, though. We talked about all of these resources that are from professionals in our field that we respect, that back what they're doing by research, right? Before we ever get to, hey, 
search up articles on News ELA, right? Now we use, or News ELA, we use those resources and we use Common Lit and all of those things. And they're great uh, for a variety of purposes. Um, We almost always use them in in terms of like test prep and stuff because they just have questions and whatnot. But a lot of them are really good. I have definitely used uh, News ELA articles that are... Um, that are powerful because they, they connect to a story that we're reading or a poem or something like that. Um, but I would say this is the key piece of how we kind of do what we do is when we're looking for resources and I think, um, the way to kind of avoid some of the bad stuff is, you know, get, I mean, a great place to start is the published authors, the people, I mean, if their books getting published, their work has been vetted by several professionals already. doesn't mean they're hundred percent, right. doesn't mean what they're doing fits what you do, but you can at least sit back and go, you know what? This has been vetted to some degree. It's not just some really great marketer <laughs> on the internet pushing something that may or may not even be great, uh, for your kids. But I don't know. This is this is so interesting because I feel like I feel like there's so many pitfalls. I mean, what do you think the pitfalls is of this? Like when you when teachers are like, okay, I definitely I don't have it in the curriculum. I need this, but I need this tomorrow, and they start looking around for resources. What is it? What are the the common mistakes? Do you think of people who are reaching out for resources that they might make? Well, before, do you mind if I answer something else before yeah, that? Kilgallen, that is the person that um, he has a series of books that oh, yeah, separate yeah. and uh, a little green book, right? And it's combined. It's a little, yeah, in, in the middle school level, it's a green book. But Kilgallen, one of the things about separating sentences and then putting them back together, sentence combining, that's one of the number one strategies that you can use mm. to help your students learn grammar. So there you well, go. Well, that's what's funny is that that whole that book, and I couldn't remember his name, but I'm glad you did. It's all right. That I, don't, uh, I can't remember the first name. You, uh, when we, I read that book when we were coaches together and Mm -hmm. I was like, oh my God, you could do this. I I had the idea to do it with poetry and stuff like that. And so in that class that I had of that 20, I started there and that process is just built. And now it ends up being like this whole, like getting kids into poetry thing and all this other stuff. But it really does make, it elevates writing. You don't have to do it with poetry. You do it the way he does it, but it's the, just the idea of thinking about pockets of information and kind of setting, you know, the rules are still there and we get to the rules and all of that, but thinking about patterns, what are, what are commas used for and all of this, but thinking about what the meaning of what's being said in certain sections of what, what you're writing, I think there, I think it's just powerful. If anyone hasn't checked it out, they need to for sure. Right. And then uh, you mentioned news ELA, but also uh, common lit is one that is really good about questions. I like their questioning that they do. Uh, so that was another one we use quite a bit, especially towards the end of the year, because it's really going to be helpful to our, our our particular high stinks testing is changing. And so I think that common lit will be one way to make sure that we hit those types of questions. They have several different types. But to answer your questions, what are some of the pitfalls that we fall into? And that is not really knowing what you need before you start looking. I mean, you just start looking and, and I'm guilty that I do this a lot as, and that's usually how I spend my summer is, is I just randomly look up stuff. And then if I find something that fits, but a lot of times I'll find things that fit because I, I have internalized 
what the district wants and what they need and then what I know works. And so I've, I pick things that work, but I think, I think especially for um, new teachers, um, it's, they don't have that internalized stuff. And so they spend a lot of time and waste a lot of time. I think looking for things, uh, not really sure exactly what they want or know what they're looking for. I don't know if that makes sense. But um, I think that's it, not knowing exactly where to look and what's out there and how to actually look for it, I think is one of the biggest issues. And then maybe not having the resources to go and buy or to have access to these books we're talking about. So uh, if that's the case, I would definitely talk to my principal or whoever's in charge of us, you know, whatever your level is. We have several levels now added to my district. When I first came to our district, we just had one level and that was it. You know, now we've had, got about three layers there that we didn't have before. So you got to know what your layers are and then go see, see if it's in the budget and see what you can find. I don't know if that helped. Yeah. I mean, I think, I mean, Almost to put a cap on it. I mean, I think the one thing that people should think about if they're looking for outside resources or need outside resources for a reason, because I know, like, I've when I was in my master's program, I was shocked at some of the stories I heard about what teachers had access to and what some districts accounted for curriculum and stuff like that. And it made me feel very fortunate for where we are. And I mean, not every place is wired the same. So if you're in that case and you're trying to find stuff that whatever, if you're, I mean, if your curriculum is non-existent, then it's not existent, then that's up to you. But, um, you know, if you are looking for stuff, I'd say, you know, start with the same way we do craft and draft, start with your standard start. If you have a framework of some, of some kind, start with that. Think about your workshop and what workshop needs and everything that we talk about here, you know, authentic voice, choice, ownership, everything else. And then really think about what the kids need because, I mean, we have seen people who will take the outsiders and print off a hundred question quiz at the end of the outsiders that it's just a whole lot of garbage and nothing. And, you know, maybe out of a hundred questions, maybe there's 10 good questions in there, but probably not, you know, and you just have to be good at going, you know, do my kids really need this? Like, is this as if it's, if it's like an assessment that you're printing off, especially, you know, is it something that is it going to show me what they know? Does it matter that they know this? Is this aligned to the standard? You know, it's like all of those questions are, I think what we should be asking as we're pulling stuff, because you know, even today, like I catch myself, I'll come up with an idea and I'll find a piece and I'm like, okay, so, but what is this piece doing? Like, is this, is anything in my standard here? Is this anything that I need to do? Or is this just something I want to do because I think it'll be cool and I can make an Instagram post about it. Right. Or, you know, like, or (laughs) I just, I'll be entertained by it. And it's just, I think we have to just constantly be aware, you know, what do our kids need? Where am I going to get it? And asking ourselves, what am I going to, what am I going to do with this? And I think that's a, it's a learned skill. And as you get better, it, it's more immediate. But I think especially, you know, if you're trying something new, like if you're jumping into a workshop for the first time, or uh, if you're a, a newer teacher, it's just those questions. I think that's what elevates these decisions. Doesn't mean you're always going to get them right if you ask these questions, but I think it'll, I think it'll keep you from making some of the bigger mistakes that I have definitely made, um, which is why I can talk about this is because I've lived that life where a coach walks in my room and goes, so why are you doing this? 
That's funny. I don't know. Well, one more thing that I, that, you know, that I like to also think about, and that is what type of thinking will this resource prompt my students to do? And I want them to solve problems. I want them to think creatively. So what am I trying to get at? Do you know, is it, is it, uh, thinking in depth? Is it, uh, just knowledge, and I think that's where knowing your Bloom's taxonomy or any of those other types of heuristics can be very helpful. But I do want to prompt my students to think. I want them to create. So a lot of times, somebody else might make it a worksheet. I and I'll actually what I'll do, Jacob, is I'll find a worksheet, so to speak, and then I unravel that worksheet and get rid of all the scaffolds, and then I redesign it but I might use it for an idea to get started. And then the students end up creating everything. So sometimes I'll go that direction. So I deconstruct some of the things that I find and then reinvent them, so to speak. Well, with that, ladies and gentlemen, this has been a Craft and Draft episode talking about finding resources. Hopefully you are enjoying your summertime. And, you know, some people might not even be in summer yet. I am still shocked that people are teaching. At, you know, this is, we're recording this in the middle of June and people are still teaching. Couldn't believe it. So if that's you, then just, have, I mean, hold tight. You're going to be done soon. But if you're like us and you're in summertime and you're trying to think about these things and plan, just be constantly asking yourself, what is it? That they'll need? What is it that aligned with my curriculum? See, we can't even answer the what do students need yet, right? Even if you have the data to talk about, you can't answer that question yet. So you're back with your curriculum, your framework, everything else, your district initiatives. And you have to wait for that students. Be that responsive teacher, which we know you will be, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for listening to Craft the Draft. Subscribe if you have not already. Go check us out on Patreon. We're about to start dropping some hot, hot, hot PD over there in video form. There's already extra episodes that you can only hear over there and extra extra video content already posted for those of you who want to support us over there on Patreon. For those of you who do support us, thank you. You are keeping this podcast alive and well. Come back next week for another fantastic episode and know that we are here for you. <laughs>